welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Yevamot, daf mem hey, page 45. So we found page 45 to be very interesting. I would say it's one of these really great, not PC kinds of dafim. Um, the case begins uh, throughout the throughout Ahmed Aleph, anyway, it really goes on to Ahmed Bet. We're dealing with the cases of the first part of the daf talks about the mamzerut that we discussed yesterday, and then the the question is we the the phrase here is havlad mukulkal when the offspring is I saw a translation that said sullied right sullied damaged something like that right the question is if you have a the union between a Jew and a non Jew and the child is then this is the question is that offspring sullied mukulkal or not and the gemara goes through a whole bunch of different opinions here um and discussion about it and the part i want to talk about is towards the bottom of amad aleph the af rav more bahatera rav who's you know one of our greats right rav rules that specifically that the that this progeny this offspring is permitted what does it mean permitted it means that all any kind of case where you might say that the vlad is mukulkal that the progeny is um damaged or sullied or whatever where you have a reputation issue not a reputation issue where you have a status issue that goes beyond a reputation issue then the concern is you know can that person marry a kohen can that person marry a levy and this is you know this is the discussion that goes on above this point on the death so Rav says, yeah, the the children of of this kind of union, meaning of a of a non Jew with a Jewish a non Jewish man with a Jewish woman, right, is permitted. Again, Jewish woman because that's the point, right? It's always we're looking at matrilineal descent. The idea that the child, the only time you're going to talk about what's what's really the issue here yeah. of where that child can go on to marry somebody else is in the case of. A Jewish child, because otherwise there's nothing they're gonna just rule rule the kid out anyway, right? Um, as being not Jewish. But in this case, the question is: is that status um, of being, you know, eligible to marry anybody? Is that in question or not? And Rav here says, yes, everybody's permitted. Meaning they had come, a person had come. It, do, it doesn't even say who a a specific someone had come before Rav and asked him specifically, you know, when you have a Goy or an Evid, a non-Jew or an Evid, an Evid here is a non-Jewish um, servant, slave, and who has Haba al-Bad Yisrael, sleeps with a Jewish woman, what is that halachic status? And Amr lo Rav says to him, Havlad Kasher, meaning, again, a very direct statement. There's no equivocation here. Havlad Kasher, so this part, I guess we could say, is PC, Right, that the conclusion here is legitimate, is too legitimate. Amarle Havli Bartach. So that same individual who seems to be this this same status, this same progeny, right? His mother must be Jewish, his father must be not Jewish, says, Okay, so let me marry your daughter. And Rav says, I'm not going to give her to you. I'm not going to let you marry my daughter. So this is a little bit cryptic, right? Like it's not clear is does it does is Rav's hesitance here, you know, or reluctance or refusal, um, as a matter of like, oh, you've got a flawed lineage, so I'm not going to let you marry my family, or you know, or is it a matter of the Kahuna, or is it a matter of, you know, is is this a matter of flaw, 
Or could it be simply that it, he doesn't like this guy? He has nothing. It has nothing to do with the lineage per se, and he's not going to let his daughter marry him for other reasons. The Gemara does not elaborate. Obviously, the context makes it sound like um, Rav's concern is, I don't know what, purity of line, you know, that kind of issue. Amar Shimi Barchia la Rav. So then Shimi Barchia, who is Rav's grandson, says to Rav, presumably this is sometime later, right? Although I suppose it could be that Rav has, you know, a, a mar- an eligible, a marriageable daughter and also a grandson who could be around at the same time. Um, I, my sense is that it's a bit later and the Gemara puts it together. Amar Shimi Barchia la Rav. Imri Inche. Um, people say madai akaba rakta. People say that there's a camel in madai. We'll talk about madai in a moment. That can dance in uh, a kaba in a tiny space. But a kav is a measure of usually used for a measure of food or produce, I guess, right? But the point is that it is a much smaller space than you would expect a camel to be dancing if you would expect a camel to be dancing at all, right? The idea that the the whole of it could be dance could be could put its feet together. This camel could put its feet together on this um small measure, point being there, you know, it's a rarity, right? What's the rarity? Um the idea is that if you could go to Madai, right, that you could show this, um then you would say you know, we've got a kav here, and we've got a camel, and we were in Madai, but the camel is not yet dancing. What does that mean, it's not dancing? Meaning, you have to put the thing to the test, basically. That's that's the implication, right? The idea that, you know, you've said that they're permitted, that the offspring is permitted, but um, do you really hold by your own ruling? So that's why I say, I think this comes later, and it's the question on Rav, that the context makes it, makes it clear that, you know, it, it, the Gemara wants to draw out this point, Israv's concern about um, about this psak and not some other reason to not marry his daughter to him. Amr Lay, so Rav answers, Even if he were as great as Yoshua ben Nun, meaning uh, even if this person were as wonderful, as as skilled, as much of a leader, whatever, as Yoshua, I would not give him my daughter, you know, to marry. Meaning, and the point being, the implication of Rav's claim here is it's not about whether he's great enough. It's not about his purity of line. It's about something else. This is, if you were as great as Yoshua, then even if you wouldn't give your daughter, somebody else would marry him. Meaning there's no concern then about uh, the, the optics, right? The idea that Rav's refusal to give his daughter makes the guy off limits now even though he said explicitly that he that he's permitted and here again if 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 rav doesn't give him his daughter then others don't either they might not know rav's rationale it just looks bad um so then so that same person and this is again, it's a it's a little bit of a jumpy Gemara, right? Because we have this whole conversation with Shimi Barchia, and then it seems that we go back to the conversation, or it's a a split story where the person who has this questionable lineage is now again still standing before Rav. He refuses to move. And so Rav looked upon him, and exactly what this means that he brought his eyes upon him is a matter of 
you know, dispute amongst the commentaries, and he died, right? The the man here died, and it, also, you know, it's not so clear what does it mean that he died, um, meaning maybe he really did die, maybe he, I don't know, like, you know, withered up in shame, it's, it's again, not so clear. Um, but the Gemara goes on, and I think that this is the the essential point here, as much as I really love this story of Rav, because it's uh, very vivid, we have here, again, the question about the Vlad, the the progeny of this kind of union, and and again, the statement is again and again and again permitted. Again, again Rav Matana says it's permitted. Rav Yehuda says it's permitted. And so then, when it came to Rav Yehuda, um, again, a child of a of a non-Jew and a Jewish woman comes before Rav and says, "Go and do, don't tell people of your paternal." Your your father who your paternity right so then people won't have this hesitation because you're technically allowed to be married to Jews into the Kahal Yisrael into the congregation of Israel so so then don't worry about this just don't go advertising it on uh, or go marry somebody who has the same situation meaning a non Jewish father and so on and likewise, when they came to Rava, they said the same thing. Either, well, similarly, right? Either go to Galut, go to exile, where nobody's going to know who your father is, or again, marry somebody of your own kind. The the social ills, I would say, are the you know of um, prejudice and bias, and I don't know, looking down your nose at people seems to not ever change. Um, but the but the conclusion of all of the members of Chazal here that we're seeing, everybody says it's permitted that the progeny of the non-Jew and the Jew are totally permitted to marry Bakal Hashem. Yeah, I don't like the story about Rav. I usually like Rav, but it's a weird story to me, like to give a psak that you yourself won't do. Um, and particularly around these types of issues, I feel like it's even more important to show like if the person's kosher, they're really kosher. Um, look, I think this resonates to a modern audience as well, because I think we've seen examples of this type of thing in our modern world. I mean, what, what I loved about this stop is it feels very modern, like what they're talking about are things that you could see in a headline of a Jewish newspaper. I think it's daily life. I mean, think about it in the, in the Jewish world today, you have X number, meaning a, a very high percentage in the Jewish world at large. I don't mean necessarily our Dafyomi learners, although my guess is also among Dafyomi learners, you have intermarriage, you have the progeny of intermarriage, right? So then, right. you know, and then what happens with the next generation, right? Do those people, then they marry Jews or are they not allowed? And they, let's say that intermarriage is because the parents were not religious, but then the child becomes religious or, you know, the, the number of, possibilities here or frankly you know sperm donors are we we advise people to have a non we advise jewish women to have a non-jewish sperm donor because it is better in terms of the mamzer question that would never fly if the if the psak here were a sewer the psak here is very clearly and distinctly mutar right but the idea that the rabbi who gives the psak won't follow the psak is very interesting to me um but his, gonna... you you don't buy his claim about Yoshua ben Nun, meaning that's not what this I is do. about. I'm just not comfortable with it. Like in other words, I feel like a leader should model. But so I'll get to the piece I want to read, which is sort of like the opposite of that. And I want to say one more thing. I yeah. want to know we would have to have finished all of shots and also re retain it all in our brains. I guess I want to go investigate 
in my spare time, who's Rev's daughter, right? Like, what happens with her? Does she not have any say? Maybe that's why he doesn't want to marry her off, because she's going to say no. She wants to marry the guy she's already dating. Like, there's so much backstory here that we just don't know. That's a very generous read, in my opinion. But we have sort of the opposite on the on the next step, which was the part I wanted to read. It's very short. Um, so again, they're still talking. They're now they're talking about a different halacha. So they're still on the topic of a non-Jew or who's with a bat Yisrael, whether she's married, whether she's uh, unmarried or married, uh, the offspring is still kosher. So that sort of like kicks it up a notch, right? Because the idea that she could be married, right? Uh, with you, that would be a problem. That baby automatically would be a mom's heir. Here they're saying, no, that that offspring can still be kosher, which is very, uh, which is very interesting. And then the Gemara goes on to say, Rabbi Akshav married by Rachel. So Rabbi rules, basically, were made kosher, right? Rabbi married by Rachel. Now look at this Amora's name. He's named after his mother. He's identified by his mother because he had a non-Jewish father. And not only did he sort of say he was kosher, but he actually made him one of the officials of Babel. And even though Mar said, Right here, quoting a pasuk from Devarim, chapter 17, verse 15, that you shall place a king over you. And the rest of that pasuk talks about that the king has to be of your brothers, of B'nai Yisrael, right? So meaning that people of authority have to be fully Jewish. Right? That whoever you put over you in a position of authority has to be from your brothers. Hi, Kevin de Imomi Yisrael. That for Rava, at least, right, that, you know, the fact that Rav Mari Barachel's mother was Jewish, that was sort of, uh, that was sort of enough. Um, and I think this is really interesting. So this is sort of, in a way, I would almost argue the opposite of Rav, right? Like Rav wasn't willing to say his daughter could marry. Um, but here we hear Rava's like, okay, like person was at least half Jewish. I'm going to consider him fully Jewish. And not only is that yichus, that lineage is good enough that he can even be in a position of authority. So again, I think these are issues that we still grapple with as a Jewish people today. Um, and I think we see that even from a rabbinic point of view, there's different ways. The psak is clear, right? Like the halacha is clear that it's kasher, but how that gets implemented into daily life definitely has variation from rabbi to rabbi. Um, yes. I think that's really important. You know, we talk all the time, or maybe we haven't talked about it recently enough, that it, the Chazal are not a monolith. No, not at all. And I, I think it's just interesting to see, like, sort of who was willing to sort of, like, you know, stick their neck out and, like, you know, do the sack fully. Rav was not. And Rava is. Like, he's like, okay, I'm willing to put this person in a position of authority. So, um, yes, they're not a monolith. And I think you really see that on this staff. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. And it's, I don't know what, modern implications. Uh, thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 